Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today for the podcast, we're starting the first part of a two-part episode on Paul and his missionary friends. So Scott, you know, a couple weeks ago we did uh, a two-part series on the quest for the historical Jesus, and we did that just because there was so much to talk about with this. And um, this topic we could probably do hundreds of episodes about, but we're going to do it to uh, keep it to two episodes. And uh, just curious, what are you excited about talking about Paul and his friends? Chaz, one of the um, problems in contemporary ministry uh, that pastors talk to me about and that everybody at a seminary knows about because of the stories that are being told and the demands or requests put upon seminaries to help with the issue, and that is that many pastors are uh, fatigued and exhausted and worn out uh, because they feel like it's a solo ministry. They're the only ones doing anything. Mm-hmm. Of course they're not, but they feel that way. They feel like they need help. Well, a culture has developed in churches uh, throughout the world, uh, a culture where a pastor is alone, a pastor is the person, male or female, uh, but this tends to be more maleish. Um uh, it, it tends to operate where there is one person who seems to be in charge of everything, and it is contrary to the way ministry worked in the New Testament. Even Jesus did not do it all. He sent out 12. He gathered 12 who were trained and ready, and he expanded his ministry by trusting them in uh, with with the kingdom work that he was doing. So this is how Matthew 8 and 9, and then chapter 10 is set up. Jesus does it. Chapter 5 through 7, he teaches it. Chapters 8 through 9, he does it. And chapter 10 of Matthew, he sends out 12 to replicate and expand what he's doing. So the, not long ago, I was studying, I, w- I decided uh, on one day to read through the Apostle Paul's letters uh, in a rather brisk fashion, just to get some big pictures and see some things that you wouldn't see if you weren't reading quickly. And I was incredibly impressed with the number of friends that Paul had, the number of uh, of connections that he had, and the network of co-workers that built up. So I came away saying to myself, Paul did ministry together. He didn't do it alone. Paul did ministry with others. He trained others. He taught them. He helped them. He sent them. They asked him questions, and he wrote them letters. Uh, They came back and talked to him and had to find him and scout him out sometimes in prisons, and he helped them and instructed them. So I was really impressed with Paul and his friendships and his ministry together. And so this is sort of the context of this theme. Yeah, I love that we're talking about it because, and especially with Paul, because I think we oftentimes get the vision in our mind that he was just a solo guy and he went everywhere he went by himself and he started a church and then off and did his own thing, which is, you know, he, he did travel a lot by himself, but but 
actually, he usually always had somebody with him and he always was bringing people along. And I think for us to understand the power of relationship and and friendships is so necessary. I was talking last week um, to a group of high school students at at a church camp. And one of the things I just tried to instill in them uh, was the phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I think it was a Craig Groeschel line I heard along the way, but um, I think it yeah, it's just so powerful to be able to understand who we are in closest relationship with will be the direction that our life goes just because of the power of relationship. And as you said, um, throughout scripture, God God doesn't send people on solo missions all by themselves. He sends communities. He brings people together. He transforms them and he sends them out together on mission. And um I love we're we're talking about that with Paul today. Um, you know, at the in the world of Paul, um, there were a lot of philosophical discussions about friendship itself. And uh, Aristotle is the is the classic in his famous book Nicomachean Ethics, uh, books eight and nine, um, or book eight. Um, he, where and Cicero talks about it in some of his letters and some of his essays. And it might be good for us to think about uh, what kinds of different kinds of friendships that we have. And Aristotle said there are three kinds of friends. Some are what he called friendships of utility. And that is, um, we, we love one another, or, and the word he uses is philos, so friendship rather than the deeper love that Christianity often talks about with the word agapao or agape. Uh, Paul uh, or Aristotle talks about a friendship of utility. It is to be a friend with one another insofar as some benefit accrues to them from each other. So we we are resources for one another. And then when we're no longer a a resource to a person, we we no longer need them. So I I have felt this as a professor for many years. Students would come in and see me all the time. And then when they graduated, I never heard from them again because I was of value. I was of utility to them. Mm. The second kind of friendship, Aristotle says, is pleasure. And that is we are friends with one another because that person is agreeable to us or because that person's a source of pleasure. We like to be around them. We have fun in their presence. But when they're no longer there, we don't miss them. And when they no longer bring us pleasure, we don't care about them. But the, the, the aim of Aristotle, the Greek philosophical tradition, and this is the idea that then shaped Cicero and moved into the modern world and I think has impact even on the Apostle Paul, is that there's a friendship of virtue. And that is that we have friends with one another and so wish the good of their friends for their friends' sake and who love each other for themselves and not accidentally. And they they develop one. They, in other words, they um, they they want other people to to be good. They want other people to develop in virtue so that they become better people. And in friendships of virtue, each person contributes to the other and makes one another better, so that there is a mutual contribution of one another as each person grows in virtue and becomes a better person under the influence and guidance of the other. And I see this in Paul, and we see it sort of from one angle, don't we? We see Paul's contribution to them. Mm -hmm. You can tell from how Paul writes about people like Timothy and Titus 
that when they weren't around, he missed them. Mm-hmm. And he expresses at times his need for them. Yeah, so, it, that reminds me of, um, you know, I think the the word agape and that understanding of love has an influence too, as Paul understands friendship and um, how we've defined a couple episodes ago about what is love. And it's that rugged commitment to be with people and to be for them and to be unto them and you know, where they're leading each, where we're leading each other in our life. And uh, yeah, yeah, I love how that virtue sums that up too. Yeah. So and Paul had friends like this, and he he he. I think he had a friendship of virtue. I I would put it into a, a different Jewish covenantal context, mm-hmm. but it is perhaps uh, a good angle at Paul to see his kinds of friendships in a Roman world, in a Greek world, mm-hmm. but these sorts of relationships and friendships were cultivated and well known. And Paul plugged himself right into that world from a slightly different angle. Mm-hmm. It's largely the same thing. Yeah, well, uh, we're eventually going to jump into th- these friends. But before we do that, uh, is there a, kind of like an overview that would be helpful to understand um, Paul's different missionary tours and trips where he was having encounters with these friends uh, as well as traveling with some of them on his journey? Well, there's a, there's a there's a pretty traditional uh, perspective on Paul's life. I mean, we we know he grew up in Tarsus, uh, and uh, it's very possible, I think, very likely that his family had been from Galilee and they moved into Tarsus for some reason. Paul was educated in Tarsus in part, and then he was educated even more in Jerusalem, and as a Jerusalemite. As a budding rabbi, a student of Gamaliel, Paul encounters Jesus. And the result of this is that Paul spends his life as a result of an encounter with Jesus in which there's an apocalyptic revelation of what God wants him to do and what he's called him to do, and that is to be a missionary to the Gentiles. And that is Paul is called to expand the people of God from Israel-only type uh, mentality to the inclusion of Gentiles into that already existing family of God. His mission was to graft Gentile twigs and tree uh, branches into the already flowing uh, Israelite stock or tree. And Paul takes three, there are three major missionary trips Um, In about 47 to 48 AD, Paul traveled throughout uh, Central and a little bit into Eastern Asia Minor or Turkey. Then there was, uh, I believe, there was a Jerusalem council uh, at the end of the 40s in Jerusalem where they had a big debate, a big discussion about whether Gentile converts needed to be circumcised to become fully part of the people of God. And James, who was the the brother of Jesus, along with Peter and Paul, made public statements. And in their statements, they contended that God had accepted the Gentiles on the basis of their faith in Christ, and therefore they did not need to be circumcised. Then Paul took a second trip that extended into um, uh, to the other end of Turkey, And then finally, Paul took a third trip that expands all the way into Greece uh, and even more into Greece, uh, the second trip as well. And then uh, what we have in the rest of the book of Acts is the trip to Rome. 
uh, largely chapters 27 and 28. And then the story of Paul in the book of Acts is done. Mm. Most people, uh, I mean, there's big debates on this as to uh, depending on how you, uh, whether you think Paul wrote some of his letters, all of his letters that are attributed to him in the New Testament or not. Uh, some people think that Paul was then released, that he may have carried on mission to Spain, but probably not. Maybe. And then he went back into the Asia Minor area, Ephesus, um, Crete. Um, and, in that, and if that's the case, then he wrote First and Second Timothy and Titus uh, as a result of those ministries, was re-imprisoned, and then was put to death because of his missionary work and because he was causing trouble uh, in various cities uh, with the establishment calling people to repent. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing pagan, uh, seeing the Roman religion as paganism and idolatry, getting uh, his Jewish uh, friends uh, who were non-believers irritated with his belief that Jesus was the true Messiah and true Lord. And the result is that Paul is persecuted and put to death. All throughout that ministry, though, first missionary trip, Jerusalem Council, second missionary trip, third missionary trip, time in Rome as well as if he was uh, released, and I think he was, and then carried on further ministry, Paul is fully connected to other missionary-type workers, uh, his friends, and they're all working together to expand the gospel and to build churches. Yeah, and so you're going on a trip soon uh, that are going to trace those footsteps of Paul. Uh, what are you excited about that trip that you're going to get to take? Well, we're... Uh, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing some of the stuff for the first time because I've never been to Asia Minor. I've never been to Turkey. I've never been to Greece. And so uh, I'm really excited about seeing these, uh, these locations where Paul ministered. We're not going to go to central Turkey or to eastern Turkey. Uh, these are a lot more volatile areas. Ankara is, is seeing a lot of rebellion. That's the center of Turkey, probably the Galatian area. And then out in the Cappadocians and the, uh, the Cappadocia area, and then even further east toward uh, uh, Syria and Antioch, this would just get us in into very delicate situations, and yeah. we really don't want to do that. So we're going to visit we're going to visit uh, Istanbul and Nicaea, and then the Lycus Valley, uh, Laodicea, Colossae, Hierapolis, then Ephesus. Um, we'll spend a night in Kusadasi, go to Crete, go to Patmos. We're going we're gonna to dabble on Santorini, and then we'll go over to Greece and Athens and Corinth, Philippi, Thessaloniki, th this sort of places, and see uh, major areas and even some relics or churches and historic sites connected to the ministry of Paul and a little bit with the Apostle John. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and as our listeners, you know, if you ever get a chance to do that, I know I, I've had the opportunity to go to some of those places, and it's just such an incredible opportunity. And uh, I think Scott, you're doing. We're going to be doing more trips later on down the line, and uh, we'd love as your as our listeners if you're able to join us one day with one of those. Yep, I agree. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, to get into to Paul's friends, then um, probably the. the most well-known for our listeners and um, somebody we know a lot about is the person of Peter. And I feel like, you know, we know a lot about Peter individually and Paul individually, but what do we need to know about their missionary friendship together? Um, you know, we have a couple episodes in the life of Peter that 
intersects with the life and mission of Paul. Uh, Peter, you know, is, is a Galilean fisherman uh, who grows up uh, connected to the family of Jesus and then becomes a disciple of Jesus, becomes Jesus's, I think it's fair to say, his uh, leading apostle. Mm -hmm. Then Peter becomes prominent in the early church. He preaches the Pentecostal sermon. Uh, he's he actually uh, he does some healings. He's been in prison, so he just is transformed by Pentecost into a bold and passionate apostle and preacher and leader in the church. And then uh, uh, it's not very well known, but but Peter preached the first you know the first major episode with Gentiles, although you could say the Ethiopian eunuch is one as well. Uh, uh, but Peter preaches to Cornelius in Acts ten through eleven. And it's noticeable that he doesn't, at the end of that, call for Cornelius and his family to be circumcised because Peter saw the power of the Spirit at work uh, and saw the Spirit descend upon these people. And he was no longer convinced that anything else needed to be done. They got mm -hmm. them baptized and they moved on. Well, uh, Paul knows in, in this sense, Paul comes on the scene late and he and he's aware of this. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And at some level, Paul was structurally dependent upon and secondary to Peter. Mm -hmm. and that is why even in Galatians chapter 1, when Paul talks about Peter, as soon as he's converted, he goes to Jerusalem. Now, this is uh, there's tension in this uh, expressions uh, that Paul has. Paul wants to emphasize that he did not get his gospel from anybody, but he says, and by the way, as soon as I was converted, I went to Jerusalem and I consulted with Peter for 10 days. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, or for a couple of weeks, you know, he spends time there with Peter. So he, he recognizes sort of begrudgingly that he, he has responsibility to respect and to listen to the apostle Peter. Um, and then uh, there's a famous episode in Galatians chapter two, where in Jerusalem, um, Paul comes and explains before the leaders, he calls them the pillars, and this might be a little bit of, of sarcasm, uh, a little bit of irony. Uh, he, he explains before the pillars the gospel that he's preaching, and he gladly announces that they embraced his gospel. And it's very noticeable here that he says, they recognized and gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, mm -hmm. recognizing that I had been called to the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. So I like to see Peter as Paul's parallel friend. They are very closely connected with one another in gospel ministry. But Peter is, is largely concentrating on preaching the gospel to Jews whereas Paul is largely concentrating on preaching the gospel to Gentiles. So now there's one other major thing, and that is after expressing that he and Peter were both recognized by the Jerusalem pillars, that would be James and John, etc., um, Paul t says that Peter had come to Syrian Antioch, and he... Uh, he had been fellowshipping with Jews and Gentiles. And when the men from James, the circumcision party, show up, 
he disappears. He jumps out the window because he doesn't want to be seen publicly eating with Gentiles and fellowshipping with Gentiles that mm. close. Well, Paul. Blows, that would be a major problem for Paul and how he. Paul blows the gasket. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So here's Paul's parallel friend who, okay, Peter, go ahead and preach. But you've got to recognize that God has called me to preach to Gentiles to form one new people of God, not two. We're not going to form a Gentile church and a Jewish church. And at this point, Peter had had been completely fine with a Gentile, uh, with a Jew Gentile church. Mm -hmm. But the minute the men from James come in, Peter seems to lose steam, lose confidence. And Paul says he denies the gospel. He calls him a hypocrite. And he contested him to his face. Well, all right. We don't know what happened to Peter there. We get mm -hmm. one side of a phone conversation. Yeah. And we can hear Paul probably pretty irritated and his voice raised. And he's barking at Peter. And we don't hear a word from Peter. But we know in from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, that Paul recognizes Peter as a gospel minister. Mm -hmm. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he recognizes Peter as a gospel minister. And so, therefore, I think that we would just say that Peter continued his ministry. Paul recognized that ministry. I would say they reconciled. They got back together. Paul recognized what he was doing. He didn't deny what Peter was doing. And then Peter, I think this is, one to me, one of the great signs of unity about Peter and Paul. And that is when you read 1 Peter, a letter uh, written by P uh, Peter or attributed to Peter, you hear a message that sounds very much like Paul. Hmm. And I remember when I was a young professor working through 1 Peter very carefully in Greek and reading the major commentaries. I remember reading some major commentaries being so disappointed that Peter sounded too much like Paul. Uh, and I remember thinking, no, that's a good thing. That's yeah. <laughs> that they learned to preach the same gospel. Yeah, there's unity. They must have communicated with one another. Their areas of ministry overlap because Peter had moved up into Bithynia, um, and he had moved up into that northern, uh, toward Istanbul, and, and or Constantinople, or, or, you know, it wasn't that called that then. But, but Peter Peter is ministering in that area, and Paul had gone through that area. And I have to think that when he went through that area, if Peter was there, that Paul would have spent some time with him. Yeah. So um, I, I see here parallel friends. And uh, in ministry, we often recognize, a lot of pastors recognize that there are other pastors in the town. They don't see themselves competing with one another they see themselves as having parallel ministries in the same community for the same Lord. And I think we can learn this from the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. And sometimes there will be tense relationships. Sometimes there will be disagreements. Sometimes there may have to be some confrontations. But, yeah. but in the end, reconciliation needs to take place and they need to see themselves working for the same thing. Yeah, you know, I one of the, I think, most important things I've learned here in my time at Parkview from our senior pastor, Tim Harlow, is um, he told me, your job as a pastor and leader is to lead the church God's calling you to lead. It's not to call the, to lead the church the people 
in your congregation want you to lead. It's not the church that culture is driving you and suggesting you to lead. It, it simply comes down to you know, what God wants you to do as the leader to, to lead his church and, and follow Jesus in the way um, and, and really ultimately allow Jesus to lead the church in the way he wants us, it to be led. Um, but I think it, it is so important to acknowledge that, that God calls us to, to different things and different expressions of the church. I think it was Tim Keller who talked about the ecosystem of churches and areas and to, to see that um, it is healthy for us to have different expressions of that same faith in Jesus and understanding of the church. And at the end of the day, like you said, have to come down to the the, the same page, but um, it's about being parallel and it's about following yeah. God and what he's called us to do. So did now when Tim Keller talked about what he called the ecosystem of a town, I, you know, and I heard that secondhand. So it's not something I heard directly from him, but it was attributed to him. And it was the, the ecosystem of churches. So like how, you know, different ecosystems have um, important elements and roles that, that each play. Um, there are different roles in communities that um, different churches can have. And um, just by who we are, we're going we're gonna to reach different people um, by how we connect with. And um, certainly we need to understand diversity and maturity, I think, in, in faith leads us into diversity. But, um, but just to also acknowledge that um, we're all in this together and we're all going to play different roles. I like that. I like that very much. Yeah. I do think that every town develops an, eco, uh, an ecosystem with churches. And I think a lot of villages, a lot of cities are not very healthy in this way mm-hmm. because these churches compete with one another too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that every every pastor, you know, you're a full-time employed, Chaz. Mm-hmm. And you you got to have income. You can't you can't pretend like not having people in your church doesn't matter to you. You're just ministering. Yeah. Uh you got to have people who who uh who stick it out and who contribute. So I I totally believe in that, but at the same time, we need to realize that we are working for a bigger goal than just our own local church that the whole town, and we live in the suburbs, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we got a lot of people around us, that we are all, in that sense, competing against the world for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think um, Paul and Peter is just such a beautiful example that, you know, they can, they can, they can work with one another so well that, they recognize one another's ministry for what God has called them to do. I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So how about um, before we end here for today's episode, um, probably the other most famous missionary friend of Paul that we've heard of in their relationship is that of Timothy. And Timothy seemed to be Paul's closest friends. Why do you think that they were so close? Well, uh, you know, why uh, is a little bit different question. Uh, I think the, the, the issue, first of all, is that they, uh, I, I, I would say that Timothy was Paul's closest friend. Uh, here's the thing. Paul picks him up. Paul, uh, I, I would say that Timothy is probably converted in Paul's missionary journey to Lystra, uh, that this, uh, his persecution and everything was a huge impact on him. And then in the second missionary trip, Paul uh, wants to take Timothy along with them. 
and he has to regulate his status because his mother was Jewish, so he gets him circumcised so that the Jewish believers will know that that Timothy is not a threat, is that the Jewish believers will say, yeah, Jewish, Jewish Christians should follow the Torah, but Gentile Christians only have to follow the Torah as it applies to them, and therefore um, he becomes safe. He isn't a threat. If, if all of a sudden you've got Jewish believers who aren't pursuing circumcision, then you have a, a real threat to Torah obedience for your primary audience of Jews in the synagogue. So he regulates his status, and this is what is noticeable, although he's not all the time mentioned. From this point on, Timothy is a part of everything that Paul does uh, through the book of Acts. And then if Paul is released, then we know that Paul writes two more letters to Timothy, so that Paul Timothy is a close friend of Paul's for probably 20 years. 15 years or more, uh, that he is a part of, of everything that Paul is doing. Now, now notice this, that Paul uh, Timothy is mentioned as a co-author, and, and I am inclined to call him a co-author. Some people think that when Paul says Paul and Timothy to the Colossians, Paul and Timothy to, 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 he, uh, that he's just there in the room and Paul's being nice and it's just a hat tip to the fact that Timothy's around. I think that Timothy was a co-theologian and co-author with Paul. He was a co-pastor and he was a co-worker. And he is involved in the writing of 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Colossians, Philemon, 2 Corinthians, Romans, and Philippians. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's a pretty significant are, list. Those are major contributions. Who mm-hmm. who can deny the significance of of Second Corinthians? And that he's you know he's probably involved in First Corinthians at some level. Uh, and Romans and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon and those early letters of Thessalonians. Timothy is with Paul all the time. So uh, Timothy becomes. Not only an early convert who constantly is a companion of Paul, but he becomes, I would say, his primary dialogue partner in theological discussions. Every time Paul wrote a letter, if Timothy was anywhere near him, Paul had conversations with Timothy about the, about what he wanted to say. And that's why I believe Timothy is included in the salutation of those letters, is because Paul recognized that Timothy had made contributions, which we can end on this. There are a lot of ministers who plagiarize sermons mm. or plagiarize ideas. I mean, you don't have to have footnotes in your sermons. Yeah. But who who do not acknowledge the impact that other people have had upon their lives. And here is the great Apostle Paul who can't even write a letter, who's, and his name is, no one ever says, Paul and Timothy wrote Romans. Everybody says Paul wrote Romans. But Paul says, no, Timothy contributed to this letter. So therefore, Timothy's name is on it. So Timothy is not the famous one Paul is, but Paul acknowledges his sources, his conversation partner, his dialogue partner in every letter uh, where, where he is contributing. So I... 
I think this is a great example of recognizing our sources, our help, our resources, our dialogue partners. Yeah, that's that's great. And like you said, a great way to close about us talking about for this first part, Paul and his missionary friends is when we see Paul didn't do it alone. He never claimed to do it alone. And uh, he realized that he needed people like Timothy that helped him write letters um, and do that. So we hope this conversation has been uh, helpful for you in, in this discussion. And um want to say, you know, maybe this stirred some questions in you, or maybe you've had some questions from uh, some of our other podcasts that, that we've done or you just would love the opportunity to ask Scott uh, a question from um from yourself. And so I want to let you know, we have an episode coming up that we're going to be just doing listener ask questions. So uh, if you want to send a question, you can email them to me at crobbins at seminary.edu. Again, that's crobbins at seminary.edu. And um, I'll collect those questions or you can send it to us, um, to me on Twitter at Chaz Robbins is my Twitter handle um, or you can send them to Scott and we'll probably get them that way as well. Just hashtag Kingdom Roots and we'll collect those questions and, and do one of those episodes upcoming. But thanks again for joining us for this first part and we will see you next week with part two of Paul and his missionary friends. Mm-hmm.